We have on the line with us Susan Kochevar. She is the owner of the oldest drive-in theater here in Colorado, the 88 Drive-In Theater. She is an entrepreneur, and she's a, a great partner of uh, the Americhicks as well. So welcome, Susan Kochevar. Good morning, Kim. How you doing? Uh, not too bad. I'm down here in Florida for a drive-in convention. So it's not like, let me just tell you, Susan, uh, Bob from Michigan had texted me this morning. It was a negative 8 there with a uh, 26 below wind chill. What's it like in Florida this morning? Ooh, it's a little cooler. It's supposed to be about 57 today, a little overcast, but um, balmy compared to those temperatures. Yeah, no polar vortex there, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, hey, last week, you know, The Hill is is a very respected, you know, a national publication in Washington, D.C., talking about all kinds of things that's going on, you know, back there. Big, big, big things. And my gosh, there was the story. I'm reading it, and all of a sudden, it's like you are highlighted in this story regarding women entre- entrepreneurs. I'm like, wow, I know her. Let's talk about that just a little bit. So what, you know, what happened? How, how'd that happen? Well, I've been working with Job Creators Network, and they've been helping tiny businesses like mine get the message out and to help educate the public so that we can get some better policies, hopefully. So they've been setting up some interviews, and uh, this was one of the interviews that I did with The Hill talking about, you know, all of the economic growth that we've had and how the tax cuts and uh, the behind-the-scenes cutting of the regulations has really helped take off our economy and help small business. Uh, of course, the Democrats are threatening to roll all of that back and increase regulations, and that will just strangle us. Well, yeah, so there's been a lot of good work over the last couple of years uh, within the Trump administration. So I, I think I hear you saying that you've seen a rollback on rules and regulations, and it has really helped small businesses, which, you know, Susan, small businesses are the engine that drives, you know, the economy of America. Yes, there are more small businesses than anything. And as of January 2017, there were 11.6 million women-owned businesses uh, you know, these tax cuts have helped women start businesses and minorities start businesses. They are good for everybody when we get the tax cuts and the regulations down so there's not such a huge barrier to entry. And uh, Senator Sanders two weeks ago introduced a bill in Congress to raise the minimum wage again to $15, and uh, that will really hurt businesses. That's one of the things I've been uh, talking about on these interviews, as you know, in Colorado, we passed that amendment, which raises minimum wage 90 cents for every year. Next year, or until it gets to $12, and this year it's another 90 cents, and next year we have yet another 90 cents that we've already lost to small businesses in Colorado. When when a, a fixed cost like that goes up, you know, you have to cut back somewhere else if you're a small business. You can't uh, get technology. You're too small. So you either cut back products, you cut back staff, you cut back hours, and that really hurts entry-level jobs. It just goes on and on. Well, and as a small business person, when you do those cutbacks, uh, you know, you're running a small business is not a 40-hour-a-week, uh, you know, work week with, with all, you know, all the holidays off. And so when you have to think about you're looking at your bottom line and cutting costs, and maybe you, you do let an employee go, who, who picks up that slack? Well, it's typically the owner, right? 
Absolutely, yeah. You have to make up all the other jobs. Um, anytime you own a small business, and all the small, small business owners out there listening will, will understand when I say this, you're never very far from it. You're always thinking about, you know, what you're going to do next, um, what tasks you have to do, uh, how you can expand it, how you can improve it. You're just never very far away from it. it you know, it's really becomes part of your life. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting that you say that my neighbor across the street uh, has a small business. And sometimes I, I, I think it's in a way it's almost a subtle race on um, whether or not he's going to start his car at 430 before I leave for this, the studio or who, you know, who's, whose car starts earlier. Because, I mean, I've heard him start his car 430 every morning for years and it's because he's a small business and then he rolls in you know later in the evening and uh, but yet he's he's creating jobs he's taking care of his family uh, but there's a, a lot involved with the small business now let's let's go over to the hill um, article but that was specifically about women entrepreneurs and I think that you you hit on that a little bit but these policies when they're helping uh, lift all boats and Stephen Kessler who's here with us uh, said that 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 progressivism isn't so much as lifting people up, but taking away what others have. And um, so with these these policies, though, that Trump has put in place, it's not just lifting, you know, a, a Caucasian straight male's business. It's cre- as you said, it's uh, lifting uh, women, uh, minorities. So talk just a little bit more about that, Susan. Well, sure. When you um, have lots of regulations and lots of different types, of very expensive licensures, uh, it's very hard for someone who has an idea to take that first step and open a business. And then often they open the business and they find they, they run up against some regulation or other and they're fined and shut down before they ever even get going. Uh, a lot of the regulations, once you get into business, force you to take on too much debt and that's unsustainable. I think that's one of the reasons why so many small businesses fail right out of the gate. And, you know, we always use the example of the gal who is, you know, she's living in a low-income area and she's fantastic at hair braiding, but she can't just go out and charge for hair braiding. First, she has to have a license, which requires lots of schooling, expensive schooling she can't afford. Then she has to put her children in daycare while that's happening, try to feed herself. There's just so many things that that happen along that way then she has to get a business license and probably be inspected somewhere and those inspection rules are often arbitrary and the inspectors aren't people who are actually doing the job so and, and, you know. and to that point i've always thought that was so interesting is rules and regulations they really stifle people being able to go out and uh, create a job create income for themselves so if that same woman does hair braiding for free for other people. She doesn't have to go through all this licensing and everything. I mean, it's the same action. But once yeah. she actually receives some money for the value, she receives some value, a trade in value, then that's when government comes in and says, wait a minute. You know, we want a cut of that action. We want a, um, we're going to put rules and regulations to tell you how you can and cannot do your business. And so, in essence, it stifles her doing that. But if she does it for free, doesn't receive any income, doesn't receive any value, then they say that's okay. I mean, I've always thought that that was the weirdest thing. So we've got about a couple of uh, – one or two minutes. Go ahead and comment on that. 
It's true. And a lot of it's done in the name of safety or, you know, to inform the public. But uh, I think one of the worst parts of licensure is that it makes people more unsafe. Instead of doing a little bit of investigation about the person they're going to do business with, they just assume this person has a license and so they're government inspected and the government's going to make sure I'm safe. But that's not what we see happening. You know, you, you should really look at the doctor that you're going to and look to see what his reviews are and perhaps what medical school he went to and what the reviews are of that medical school. Does the doctor make a lot of money? I don't want to go to a doctor who doesn't make money because he's bad at what he does, you know. So it, it makes things more unsafe for people, and, and that's... Um, it's tragic sometimes. Yeah, you're right. There's a false sense of security and people don't do their homework. For example, uh, the woman that does my hair, I'm sure she has a license, but that's not the reason I go to her. I go to her because she, uh, she does a good job. She was recommended to me. And so we don't need all of these licenses and rules and regulations. In fact, we had uh, a show earlier in the week with Karen Levine and uh, David Barber and Elizabeth Peets. Uh, and Karen and David are both realtors with Remax. We were talking about, you know, housing and, and uh, making it affordable. And both uh, Karen and David said that housing, the cost of housing, 28% of the cost of a new house is because of rules and regulations. If we want to get serious about affordable housing, let's start rolling that kind of stuff back. But Susan, we're going to have to jump here. Now, you're going to be in next Tuesday with me as my guest chick co-host. So we'll be able to unpack Uh, a lot more of this and uh, great having you here and enjoy Florida. Sounds fun. Thank you very much. I will.